Who am I to judge? This was probably the most widely quoted phrase from Pope Francis during his first year of his pontificate. He said this in response to a question about gay priests. Now, the whole quote goes something like this. It says, if someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has goodwill, who am I to judge? Do you feel that? Do you feel the nervous tension right now because you don't know me yet and you have no idea where I'm going with this homily? Yeah, my second weekend and you're like, oh gosh, Father, what are you doing? But let me assure you, any worry that you have right now is complete poppycock because you should know exactly where my views on everything stand because I share my views with the church. So therefore, nothing I should say should ever come as a shock or a surprise to you during my time here. You may not agree with what I say, but at that, let me tell you, you aren't disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with Holy Mother Church. And this idea of disagreement, this is exactly what I want to talk about this weekend. Or more aptly, how do you deal with someone even though they persist in offending you or they persist in their sin? The first reading from the prophet Ezekiel tells us that if there is someone who is wicked, it is not enough to let them persist in their wickedness. For if you do nothing about it, and try and if you do nothing to help and try and correct their ways, you are to blame if they die in error. This is why Catholics are so big on Catholic social teaching. We simply cannot sit by and allow unborn babies or the mentally handicapped or the elderly to be murdered just because society thinks that they aren't useful or that they seem to impose some burden. Catholics cannot sit by and be quiet because we have a divine mandate that if we are silent, then we are also culpable. As human beings, we don't function well under fear though. Yes, fear can be motivating for a short time, but in the long term, it is never a healthy way of living. So it's not enough to be afraid that we might be culpable for others' sins if we sit by and be silent. But we should love humanity as a whole so much that we don't want to sit by because we want to love the person out of their erroneous thinking. Mother Teresa was quoted as saying, don't wash the dishes because you should or because you have to, but wash them because you love the next person who will use them. What a concept. And St. Paul is saying basically the same thing just 2,000 years before Mother Teresa ever heard of it, ever thought of it. Maybe she read St. Paul's letters. I don't know. But he tells the Israelites, or he tells the people that are listening to him, that they have had the commandments from Moses. They know the commandments. These commandments have been handed down for generation to generation. But he tells them that the most perfect of all the commandments is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Humans as a whole, we have this beautiful gift of self-preservation and self-comfort. We always find the easiest, softest, most comfortable way of doing something or living that we can. Now, don't get me wrong, we are capable of enduring great and terrible hardships. But when it comes down to it, we like things that are easy and comfortable. And if you don't agree with me, then the next time you take a shower, turn it to freezing cold and just enjoy it. 
Because we have this self-preservation setting innate in us. We treat ourselves pretty darn well. And if we treated everyone else the way that we treat ourselves, then we would be living more the words of St. Paul when he says, love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. But we have a big problem of trusting other people. We don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be wronged. So we are naturally suspicious of them and on guard, lest they try and get the upper hand. Now, St. Paul tells us to relax our ego, to trust the Lord, and to love people. But not only to love them, but we should love them as we love ourselves. So what does Jesus say on the topic of someone who is persisting in their wrongness? He says, treat them like a tax collector. Now, in the ancient Jewish context, this phrase or sentiment meant that they were done with the person. Because tax collectors were the people who worked for the enemy. They cheated people out of money and collected money for the enemy, the Roman Empire. So anyone who was a tax collector was not well loved among the Jewish people because they were a traitor. So Jesus gives the command that someone who doesn't listen first to his brother, then to multiple brothers, then to the church, and if anyone ever tries to tell you that Jesus did not come to start a church, you would direct them straight to this passage and you say, nah-uh. But anyway, if he doesn't listen to his brother or multiple brothers or the church, then you treat them as a tax collector. But I always wondered, is that what Jesus really meant? Because it doesn't sound very Jesus-y to just cut someone out of your life after you try a few times to have them see the truth. I always wondered if Jesus meant this phrase in the same way. Maybe Jesus said, treat them like a tax collector, but then he showed them how he treated tax collectors. He met with them. He ate with them. He shared moments in life with them. But he certainly did not let them go unchanged by him. I always felt like this was Jesus' way of creating a never-ending feedback loop. Go to the person once, go to them twice, go to them three times, and then if they still don't listen to you, simply treat them as Jesus treated tax collectors, by loving them, and loving them as you love yourself. Now, this begs the question, are we as Catholics allowed to judge someone, or is judgment reserved for God alone? Pope Francis, when he said, who am I to judge, was not speaking at that moment on dogma or matters of faith. So his words are not considered ex cathedra or infallible. The answer to whether or not we can judge, judge someone is absolutely yes. And also kind of no, but mostly yes. So here's the distinction. We can always judge inherent acts. I'm sorry, we can always judge individual acts as inherently right or wrong, good or bad. Murder, no matter what, is always wrong. Always. In certain circumstances, you may be less culpable if you commit murder, self-defense, times of justified war, but the act of murder is always wrong. Charity is always right, even if that charity is misplaced. Someone who donates money to Planned Parenthood, that's a bad thing. But their desire to be charitable 
That's a good thing. So while the charity is misplaced, their natural desire is good. But we can always judge individual actions as right or wrong. So we can judge actions, but we can never judge the motivation behind the action. We can never judge the interior disposition or the person's heart. That is left for God alone. We can absolutely love someone even though they have committed wrong acts. We don't always have to like them though, but we should still love them and respect their dignity as a human being, even if their dignity is the only reason that we can find for loving them. For after all, we are all sinners. Some sins are just more obvious than others. We will never be perfect this side of heaven. But if we attempt in little ways to love others more in our lives than we love ourselves, we create a beautiful world in which we can all exist. I cannot control others and especially their actions, but I may be able to influence others through my own actions and words if they are words and actions of love. So this week, I hope you can find little ways to be nice to people and to love them more. Start with people that you actually like, and then one day, maybe move to people that you like less.